we're going to be continuing through the big idea that I've put forward for this series, which is simply we the church are called to be witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit to impact our local community and beyond while living out our faith. So we find ourselves now in the third week of this, so we're going to be looking at how to impact our community locally and beyond that. Now, something I noticed very quickly when I moved in to this area is there are a lot of churches within a very short distance of each other. I mean, like you go down into downtown, you've got the Lutheran Church, the United Methodist Church, the Evangelical Free Church, then you've got Encounter Church over on Campbelltown Road, very large church doing their thing. Then you have us here on Park Drive. Then you go up a little further, you have Community Bible Church, Palmyra Grace. There's a lot of churches in this community. The first thing that I think anybody would notice is, well, they're all different denominations. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. So the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning as Life Connection Church is how can we make an impact on our community and be a part of this community in such a way that we catch people's attention, not just for being a different denomination, but for something far greater than that. And I think each and every one of us knows that that is to reach the lost. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what we want to catch people's attention about. Is there something different about that church? That church is alive, well, thriving. We want to be a part of that. Now, I'm not saying these other churches are doing things wrong. I'm just saying we need to find a way to set ourselves apart. And so far, we have looked at a couple things in this series. We've looked at what it means to be called as the church to be witnesses to reach the lost. And then last week, we dove into what it means through the promise, power, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit, how we can move forward and fulfill that call. So now this morning, we'll be looking at Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 and where we read about the story about Peter and John encountering the lame beggar who they came upon outside of the temple. So let's read together. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. So now for Peter and John, going to the temple, for the hour of prayer every day. This was a pretty normal routine for them. 
But what we're quickly going to see here, and as we read, we quickly saw that this normal routine for them all of a sudden became anything but that. And what's so impactful, and I think what stands out the most here, is that they very easily could have just gone on their way, gone into the temple and ignored him and been like, yeah, we're just going to go about our, like about our business. Instead, though, they made it their business to stop and have an impact on this man's life, which we'll see later led to something far bigger. And we can take note from this. It can become very, very easy for us to get stuck in our routines, to get stuck in our daily routines, our weekly routines. It can get very easy to wake up on Sunday, come to church, we worship, we hear a good message, have some fellowship, and then out the door we go for the week. That's where some churches, a lot of churches, that's where they fall short, and that's where a lot of believers fall short. There's more to it than that. There's more to the routine than just going about the week, coming to church on Sunday, and then going back into another week. We need to be able to put into action what we're saying. We need to move beyond the four walls of the church. Now, I'm not saying that there's not work that needs to be done within the four walls. There absolutely is, and that's important as well. But God has also called us to go beyond the four walls. And so just like Peter and John, we need to make it our business to have an impact on people for the kingdom of God. Because each and every one of us, we have been given the authority and the power to take the gospel of Jesus with us and to go forward with it. The question, though, is, well, how do we do that effectively? Now, I can stand here and tell you there are many different scholars, many different authors, a lot of well-respected Christian leaders. There are countless books, countless articles, trust me. I, like, I've read some of these articles. I have some of these books. Everybody is trying to tell the church, here's how you can reach your community. Here's how you can be effective. Here's how you can have an impact. It's a lot. Some of them are very well-intentioned, and some of them are very good. I'm not here this morning to try and promote one specific way or the other. I'm not here to say, well, we're going to follow this person's method, or we're going to follow that. No. I'm here this morning because I want us to look at what the Scriptures tell us and how the scripture instructs us to have an effective successful ministry to those around us when it comes to having a successful ministry that has an impact on our local community there's a couple things that we need to examine and we're going to examine those this morning with anything that we do in life we need to prepare. So we're going to be looking at, well, what does it mean to be preparing for a successful ministry? Then we're going to move into, well, what are some procedures that go along with a successful ministry? And just like anything needs a purpose, a successful ministry needs a purpose as well. And then, well, how do we track the progress of this? Once we have launched this out, once we have launched what God has called us to do, how can we track the progress? What are we looking for to make sure that we're on the right track and we're actually following what God has called us to do? Now, before I dive into the first point, I just want to make something clear and reiterate for some people that may not know this. The mission of Life Connection Church is this. It is to connect people to Christ, community, and calling. Now, that's a very short, simple statement. We can take that a little bit deeper. Our mission is first to connect people to Christ above all else 
everything that we do in this building, every ministry, every outreach, everything that is sung from the platform, everything that is said from this pulpit, is to connect people to Christ, first and foremost. Once we've done that, and hopefully they've stepped into a relationship with Christ, well then, we move into the next phase, which is connecting them to community, and that's a twofold thing. One, we want to connect them to the community of believers here in this church. And as we move forward, and once we get into the school year um, after summer, you're going to see different things launched. You're going to see midweek services come back, prayer meetings during the week come back, different opportunities for us in the church to connect. So when people do come in, we can then look at them and say, hey, why don't you get plugged in with this? Get plugged in with this. Get plugged in with the community of believers that we are. The second purpose of community is then we want to get them to be the witnesses and have the impact in their local community. That's the second aspect of community. And then the third part of the mission is to connect people to their calling. Each and every one of us has been called to do something, whatever that is. I mean, even if that means mowing the grass, helping clean the building, greeting people at the front door, volunteering to be an usher, whatever that is, God has called us to be something. And it's our job as a church and as we move forward to connect people to that calling. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, I could do all of it. And I'm, I mean, that's possible. I don't want to have to do all of it. That's why we need to connect people to, hey, I heard you talk about this, or I saw you talking with so-and-so about this. Why don't you check this out? Let me help you get plugged in with that. And as we move forward with what God's plan and vision for this church is, we need to keep in mind, like I said, everything that we're doing is for his glory and honor. And over the next several months and years, like I said, you're going to see different programs begin. You're going to see different outreaches take place, different strategies on how to do these outreaches. Different policies and procedures are going to be put in place. As we move forward, though, it's important that we are planning and preparing for what God is leading us to. We want to be able to put our best foot forward. And I believe wholeheartedly that what we're looking for is to see this church grow and reach the young and the old alike in this community. Now, with that being said, let's dive into the first point that we can pull from Acts chapter 3 this morning. And that is preparing for a successful ministry. When it comes to the ministry of the church, a lot of people, they have the best intentions in regarding uh, to accomplish things. Some folks, they're going to feel led to lead out an outreach. Some folks are going to feel led to lead up a Bible study. Other folks, they're going to feel led to go on a missions trip, whether that is into Philadelphia or overseas, some folks are going to feel led to go on missions trips. All of that is wonderful, and all of it has a place as long as it is a God-given and God-directed thing. But in order for any of this to happen, what do we need to do? Well, we need to have preparations in place. Think about this. Peter and John and the other followers that were in the upper room, they were given instruction. Jesus commissioned them to go out and be his witnesses. He, he told them, go and do it. And now they very easily could have been like, great, Jesus told us to do this. Let's go. Let's just go do this. And I mean, we can take a lesson from this too. God put something on our heart. We just want to run with it. 
but we can take a lesson from these men. They very easily could have just gone out and done this, but what did they do? They heeded the instruction of Jesus, and they waited and they prayed, and they waited for the promise of the Father. Just like the apostles waited and prayed, we as the church, we need to do the same thing in order to be successful. We need to put prayer as the first thing on our list of preparations. We can get the volunteers. We can get the finances for it. We can have everything we need to move forward with something. But if prayer is not the first thing on that priority list, it's not going to work. And let me tell you, there are some exciting things on the horizon for this church. And, and there's days I sit in my office and I walk through this building and I'm like, Lord, I just want to jump into it right now. But the Lord reminds me on a daily basis, it's not about your timing, Randy. It's about my timing. Trust me. Follow me. Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. When the timing is right, you'll know. And sometimes that's a really hard pill to swallow. Let me tell you. But it's important to remember, though, God's timing is way better than ours. And so we see Peter and John here in Acts chapter 3. We see them walking to the temple for the hour of prayer. Why is this important? Because the, they're going to pray. Like, they were making prayer a critical part of their every day. We can learn something from this. Before they began any work, they made the preparations. They were prayed up, they were spirit-filled, and they were obedient to what God had called them to do. We need to be just like this. Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, tells us the importance the importance of prayer here we see and when they had entered they went up to the upper room where they were staying peter and john and james and andrew philip thomas bartholomew matthew james the son of alphaeus and simon the zealot and judas the son of james all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and mary the mother of jesus and his brothers in order for our preparations to really work we need to do two things. First, we need to talk with God. We need to make sure we're praying. They were gathered together. 120 of them were gathered, and they spent time in prayer. And what do we see throughout the book of Acts? We see the emphasis on corporate prayer. We see them gathered together at different times, praying with each other. When it comes to our individual callings, prayer is vital for success. When it comes to our collective ministry as a church, to Life Connection Church, prayer is vital for success. So dare I say that the bottom line is when it comes to having success in ministry, whether individually or collectively as the church, prayer is vital for success. And as we prepare for what God is going to do through our church in the months and years to come, let us make prayer that priority. And along with prayer, let us make sure that we're doing the second thing here, and that is walking with God, making sure we're walking in step with God. Because let me tell you, there's no better place than to be than walking in step with God. You don't want to be on the other side of the coin. It's not comfortable. It's, it's really not. The apostles, we can take another example from them. They were in the right places at the right time. They were in the right place to receive instruction from Jesus. They were in the right place to be commissioned out by Jesus. They were in the right place at the right time when the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. And just like they were in the right place, we need to ensure we're in the right place. 
to receive instruction. Well, what is the right place, you may be asking? Being in the Word of God. That's the first place. Being in the Word of God. Making, reading the Scriptures a daily part of your life. Yes, we need to be fed physically. Um, and trust me, I can attest to that. My wife is a fantastic cook. And I mean, I eat very well. But besides that, we need to be fed spiritually. We need to be in the Word every single day. And on top of being in the Word, we also need to make sure we're fellowshipping with other believers. And as we move forward, other than just on Sunday, making sure we're connecting with each other during the week, when the opportunities come and the services are added, making sure we're trying our best to be at those things that the church is offering, to get fed into. Because eventually, we can't, do, we can't do it on our own, and eventually we're going to dry up. And the only way we're going to get filled is to read the Scripture and to also be in fellowship with believers. And that will help us in our walk with God. Because let me tell you, when you're feeling down, there's nothing better than having that group of believers come alongside you and be like, hey, get back up. I know it's tough, but let's keep going together. Let's keep going on this walk together. And now through talking with God and walking with God, he's going to do a couple of things. He's going to provide us the path. Now, we've referenced Acts 1-8, I think, probably the past, like, three Sundays now, about where Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond. Guess what? We're looking at it again today because that's where the path is. Jesus is telling us, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses, and then here's the path forward. Here's where you're going to be witnesses to. Likewise, when we make the proper preparations for ministry, the Lord is going to guide and direct us. He's not going to leave us to our own devices. He's going to show us what to do. Sometimes it may be scary. We might be like, whoa, that's really what you want us to do, Lord? Like, that's not how we've done it before. Like, that's really, that's really how you want us to do it? Oh, okay. He's going to show us how to do it. He's going to provide the resources to do it. And then guess what else? He's going to bring people alongside us to help us accomplish that. Even when we don't think anybody's going to be interested, the Lord's like, oh, well, hang on a second. I've got some folks that I can bring. We just have to be patient and wait for it. He's not only going to provide the path, he's going to provide the power. Peter and John, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And through them, God did some amazing, amazing things. But it's important to remember something. Everything they did, they did not do on their own power. They did not do these signs and wonders. They did not preach these messages, reach these people on their own power. It was God working through them. And we see this firsthand in Acts chapter 3 and verse 13. Peter makes it very clear. He didn't heal the man. He makes it very clear and says, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. He could have very easily taken credit for this. But he turns it right back around and says, It was God. It was Jesus. It wasn't me. So if God has called you to do something that seems impossible, remember something. Yeah, it's probably impossible on your own. Like, I mean, you can certainly try, but it's probably going to be difficult. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And as we accomplish them, we need to remember to turn all the glory and the honor 
back to God. Many people, they set out to do great things. And I have some friends that have set out to do some great things for God. But here's where they go wrong. They try and do it on their own. They try and step out on their own and be like, I got this. Like, I have all, like, everything I need. I have the plans I need. I'm going to move forward with this, and I'm going to be successful. But they don't let God be the forefront of it. And then they fail. And they don't get the results they want. And they're like, well, what happened here? What do you think happened here? You didn't have God as the forefront. So people can set out to do great things. But if God is not the forefront and in the beginning of that, they're not going to get very far. Plans are being made. Things are being put into motion. Time is being spent in prayer. We're making the proper preparations, all while making sure we are in constant communication with God and constant step with him. Once we've put the proper preparations in place, well, now the next step would be implementing what are some procedures that a successful ministry would look like? Well, once you understand what God has called you to do, the next step is moving forward with it. But like I said, well, how do you move forward with it? What are you supposed to do? Well, we can take another lesson from Peter and John here when it comes to doing this. Their actions in verses 2 through 7 show us exactly how to move forward with God as well. The first thing we need to do, the first thing they did, is we need to look. We need to look and see what's going on around us. This lame man, he was brought to the gate every single day to beg for money. He had been this way since birth. He wasn't able to work, so he knew the only way he was going to make a living was here, bring me to the temple where these people are going in to pray, in to pray, and maybe somebody will have pity on me and give me some coins. Now notice what happens next, though. The lame man, he sees Peter and John and calls out to them. And then Peter and John, they direct their eyes to him. So now they've locked on to him. They see him. They see what's going on. Peter looked and he saw this man. He saw the situation that he was in. And Peter not only saw the situation, but he knew what needed to be done. And this is a key. This is key to any successful ministry. In order to address the needs of the individuals that come into our church, that are in our community, the first thing we need to do is we need to open our eyes to see what those needs are. To see, oh, everybody's not the same. Everybody's carrying something different. Everybody's at a different point in life. And when we encounter these individuals that are in need of this assistance, that are in need of our help, we need to be ready to take the opportunities on. So we not only need to be looking and seeing at what's going on, we need to go a bit further. And this is the second thing, the second procedure we look at, is we need to be ready to labor. We need to be ready to do the work. Like I said in the beginning, Peter and John very easily could have walked by this guy and been like, yep, that's nice. We've seen you every day. But instead, they took the time to be with him. They saw the need and they had, they saw the need he had and they addressed it. Peter even told them, I don't have silver and gold. I don't, I don't have money. But what I have, I have something far, far better. Here's the important thing this morning. Peter didn't see a bum. He didn't see a beggar. He didn't see a burden. What did he see? He saw a soul. 
he saw a lost soul in need of a touch from God, in need of something that Peter knew he had and could give him. Just like Peter, we have what people need and we need to be ready to share it no matter who we encounter. In the same way that Peter saw this man as a soul, we need to see people that way as well. We need to look beyond what's like what somebody is on the outside or the issue they have. Now, I'm not saying we need to dismiss it and say their way of life or what they're doing is correct. The first thing we need to do is we need to address the fact that they are a soul in need of Jesus Christ. Reach out to them. Spend time with them. Then through the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever it is that may be amiss in their life, whether they're living the wrong way, wrapped up in different things, the Holy Spirit will address it. And we can come alongside and help them realize, here's how, we, here's how you can move forward. Here's why this is wrong. Here's what God says. Here's how God wants you to live. But we can't get hung up on that initial interaction with them of, oh, this is going on with them. I don't know. No. Look past that. People are going to come through the doors of this church that are at different stages of life, that have different problems, that are wrapped up in some pretty crazy stuff. But we have what they need. We have the tools. We have the resources. We have the word of God to help reach them, to hopefully soften their heart and bring them to a relationship with God and turn from whatever it is they're wrapped up in. Because think about it. We were all lost once too. And at some point, somebody came alongside us. Every one of our journeys is different. Some of us, yes, we grew up in church. I, I get it. A, a little, But at some point, somebody, whether it was a parent, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, somebody came alongside us and poured into our life to the point to where we knew that we needed to turn our life over to Christ. It's time for us to do the same for our community. When the opportunities arise to witness, we need to be ready to do the witnessing and ready to do the work, knowing that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to guide and empower us. So we've looked at preparations, preparing for a successful ministry. Then we've looked at two procedures of a successful ministry. We're now going to look at, well, what is a purpose of a successful ministry? You've got to have a purpose, like for something. Well, the sole purpose of any ministry is this. Any ministry that is put in place in this church, reaching out into this community, in order to be successful, our purpose needs to be able to point people towards the Savior, no matter what we do. Look at Peter and John. Peter wasn't looking to advance his reputation. He wasn't looking to make himself look good. I mean, he very easily could have done this. He was simply being obedient, following what God was calling him to do, following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And if we set out to achieve anything other than giving God glory and pointing people towards the Savior, well, then I'm sorry to say, we're just wasting our time. We might as well turn the lights off, lock the doors, and go home. If we ever get to that point of where that's not our goal, we're missing the mark. The goal of our ministry should not be to turn eyes towards us. It shouldn't be to promote ourselves. 
the goal of this church. It should not be to, what can we do to make people look at us like, wow, look at what they got going on. I'm here to say this morning, yes, some things may change. Things may look a little differently. Like, things may take on a different way of doing things. But the bottom line is, I'm here to tell you this morning, that no matter what changes are made, no matter what is changed inside, outside the building, whatever it is, the goal will always be to point people to Jesus Christ. I know some people, they look at these larger churches and like, well, how in the world can you do what you're doing with all of this crazy stuff you're going on? The church that I came from was a large church. Yes, they had the lights. They had the, the full band and all of that. The one thing that I knew from the moment that we stepped foot in that church and went on staff at that church is that, yes, they had all that grand stuff, and it looked fantastic, and it was wonderful, but I knew that the heart of that pastor, the heart of that worship leader, was to point people to Jesus. It wasn't about the fancy lights, the fancy music, all this, that, and the other thing. It was to point people to Jesus. All of that was just kind of icing on the cake. It was just there. For, it was just there because the Lord was able to bless. The bottom line here is God will bless a church that puts His kingdom first, always. God is not going to sit back and be like. Well, you're putting my kingdom first, but you've got this, this, and this going on. No. As long as his kingdom is first, God will bless his church and pour out his spirit. And when, when we put all of this together, when we put all the preparations together, the procedures, and we've established what is the purpose, what is the sole purpose of what we're doing, then we'll see the progress. Then we're going to start to see how things move forward. And the progress of a successful ministry it's really important because we need to make sure, are we doing things right? And this very short story in Acts 3, it really lays it out to the point. The first thing that we see here from this story that's important to progress is transformation. The man's life was changed forever. He was healed. He, knew, he now knew who God was. He was giving glory and honor to God. So his life was changed forever. He now had a testimony to bring with him to share with other people. To be like, hey, you remember me? I was the guy hanging outside of the temple. Look at me now. I'm healed. And it was because of God. People could see. They were able to now see the transformation that was made inside of him. And as a church, we're going to come alongside different individuals. We're going to pour into their life. We're going to do our part to help them come to a better understanding of Christ. Hopefully, through all of that, they encounter the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit softens their heart, convicts them. They get led to a relationship with Christ. And then guess what? We start to see the transformation. We start to see them transform from what they were to what God is calling them to. And when transformation occurs, well, that usually leads to the next step of progress, and that's contemplation. Think about this. People took notice when this man was healed. They saw this man. They saw this man healed, and they began to contemplate and wonder, what happened? Like, what just happened here? And dare I say, they probably started taking their own personal inventory of themselves, of their lives, of like, well, man, there's some stuff I'd like addressed too and stuff that I'd like 
dealt with, there's some things I could use healing for as well. This contemplation that took place among them, it then opened the door and allowed Peter and John to minister to them. So if we have a, transfer, a transformative ministry going on and lives are being changed by the power of God, people are going to take notice and people are going to start wondering what is going on in that church. This person who was once a drunk and just drinking all the time goes to this church and all of a sudden I haven't seen him pick up a drink and I don't even know how long. People are going to notice stuff like that and they're going to be like, what's going on? And it's going to draw them in. It's going to draw them to ask questions of, hey, what do you got going on here? When someone who is unsaved sees what Jesus can do, they're going to be at least a little curious. They're going to at least wonder a little bit of what's going on. And more often than not, this curiosity is going to then lead to a softening of their heart and allow them to become more receptive. So we have transformation, we have contemplation. Well, here's what comes next, and this is the fun part, multiplication. After seeing this man walking and leaping and praising the Lord, people came running to Peter and John in the temple. Acts 4, 4 tells us that many of them that heard believed, and now catch this, the number came to about 5,000. I'm pretty good with numbers. I was a branch manager at a bank for four years. Like, I'm pretty good with numbers. This multiplication doesn't add up. Peter and John, two men, encountered this lame man. So one guy reached out to him. He was healed. His life was changed. He became a follower of Christ. So two times one is normally two. All of a sudden, we get to 5,000, the power of God. That's what it is. Peter took time to invest in one soul. And the results that came after that, I'm telling you, only explained by the power of God. Think for a moment, though. If that can happen with just one person, well, what could happen out of this church if we impact one person? If we impact, let's say we impact a child that walks through this door. They then go home. Maybe they have other siblings. They have a mom a dad, other family members. Before you know it, hopefully through the power of God, that one soul that came into this door is now spreading it through their family, who's now spreading it through the rest of the family, through their friends, through their community. That's how this multiplication works. Once the process begins, guess what? The kingdom of God grows. And this is what we long to see and desire to have happen within our church. There may be Sundays where nobody responds to what God is calling. That's okay. There's going to be those Sundays where one person responds. There's going to be Sundays where a lot of people respond. All that matters is that the word of God is going forth, is being spoken with the authority and power of the Holy Spirit. It will hit its mark. It may take a couple times, but it, it will hit its mark. The final thing that we can look at as far as progress is glorification. When the man was healed, what did he do? He gave praise and glory and honor to God. The people that gathered around, when they came
came running to Peter and John and heard the gospel. What did they do? They gave praise and glory and honor to God. Our mission here is not to see the church grow for our own glory. I didn't come to get the church to a certain point and get a pat on the back of like, hey, look, you took it from this to 100 people. That's great. And I pray the Lord does that. That's not why I came here. That's not why we're here. We're not here for our own glory and our own, hey, look what we can do. The mission of Life Connection Church is not to expand rapidly and build bigger and better buildings to put on huge productions just to bring people in and say, hey, look, we're reaching the lost. We're, like, we're doing what we're called to do. Our purpose and mission as a church is simply this. In everything we do, we will strive to always bring glory, honor, and praise to God our Father while reaching the lost and expanding the kingdom one soul at a time. Wherever we're at, however we're doing that, that is our goal and purpose, to bring glory, honor, and praise to God. As I get ready to wrap up here, there are, are two questions that need asked this morning. The first one is this. Are you ready to move forward and deeper with God? Are you ready to take the step of faith into whatever it is he's calling you to? It may be scary. Trust me. But are you ready to take that step? Just like the lame man at the temple gate, you may find yourself with something before you that is bigger than yourself, that's bigger than you can handle. I'm here to encourage you this morning. Turn it over to God. Surrender to him completely. He will handle it. Secondly, and this is a collective question, are we as a church ready to move forward into what God is calling us to do? Are we ready to make the proper preparations? Are we ready to implement the procedures? Are we ready to do the work? Are we ready to establish that purpose, to come alongside that purpose of pointing people to Christ in everything that we do. And if we can answer yes to that, then I'm telling you without a shadow of a doubt, we will see the ministry that we have established here at Life Connection Church that we're going to continue to establish and grow. We're going to see it grow for God's glory and his honor. And the only way it can be explained is through the work of the Holy Spirit. Bottom line. Are you ready to come alongside and be part of the successful ministry that God is calling not just us to, but you individually to? Are you ready to come alongside that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, God. Lord, we thank you for what you're calling us to do, God. Lord, let us be reminded that in everything we do, all the preparations that we can make, Lord, we can spend hours preparing and talking and planning but to turn to you in prayer and then above all else god help us to look around us to see the needs and god if anything else help us to remember the purpose of what we're to do and that is to point people to you it's not to look fancy it's not to grow crazy it's not to be this huge megachurch, Lord. 
Lord, it's to point people to you. God, in all that we do, I pray that you direct us in that path. Lord, if there are folks here that they're feeling called to something, God, I pray that you would help reveal it to them. Help direct them, God, to connect with the individuals they need to connect with to talk this through. Lord, if there's people that are dealing with something bigger than themselves, God, I pray that you would help them as well. Help them to remember that you can handle it. They're not meant to do it on their own, that they can surrender everything over to you, God. And Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for Life Connection Church, God, as we move forward into what it is you're calling us to do, God. I pray that you would guide and direct us. Oh, Lord, and help us to remember to stay in step with you and in constant communication with you as we move forward. Lord, we thank you for this.